Well, Happy New Year and welcome to Chucked. Glad to have you back. Glad to, to have our Chuckster audience, Austin. And uh, Happy New Year to you. Last night, Clemson thumped Alabama in the yeah. national championship game. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Uh, who were you rooting for? I'm a big Dabo Sweeney fan. I just yeah, love that guy. Yeah, I'm pulling for Dabo. I'm yeah, for nothing Clemson. against Alabama, but I just love that guy. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence seems like a sharp kid. Did you see him yell at the, the assistant coach in the beginning? That uh, first quarter, yells at him, do, his, do your job. Do I'm just not, I've just not seen him light up like that before and uh, put the fear of God in his assistant coach. <laughs> he kind of yelled at him. Does the little, the, the little three-step coaches turn around and walk away, yeah. turn back around, wow. and give him the do your job. Wow. Yeah, it was good. Wow. Was but, behind uh, excellence, there's always a bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. always a bad guy behind yeah. excellence. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I, that was, I, so I watched about five minutes of it, and it happened to be the first five minutes of the game. Wow. Um, when that was, uh, what, 28 points were scored. It was wild five minutes. But uh, So I, I, was, I wasn't going to watch the game and uh, sitting on the couch, and uh, my son Gunner comes shuffling in. And his pull up and uh, uh, asked to watch football because he's he's used to watching Monday night football on Monday night. So he thought, wow. so well, by the season's over. But uh, so he wanted to watch that. So we watched that, and I um, oh, reluctantly great. turned the Chinas channel from uh, Sabalenka and Kvitova to <laughs> I saw your Clemson, tweet. Alabama for about five minutes, and then uh, I turned. You it were back. one of two people in Ohio watching mm-hmm. a, a, a great tennis match. match it was a great match. Yeah. Two top female players. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I listened to Hooli this morning on 105.7 The Zone in Columbus, and he said something. He was at a party last night watching the game, and a friend, you know, he said, who are you guys rooting for? Who are you rooting for? And one friend said, you know what? I want Alabama. The guy's a Buckeye fan. This is a good point. He goes, he says, uh, he goes, you know, I know I have that bully to deal with. I don't want to have to deal with another bully. Hmm. He says, there's another bully on the block now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, now mm-hmm. there's another bully on the block. I mean, mm-hmm. Clemson now is going to get the benefit of the doubt that's been given to Alabama. Alabama was a one-loss conference champion. They were always going to be in the playoff, yeah. right? Yeah. That's it's just it's the given. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Clemson is going to be now they're, – they're, there's two bullies. Hooley compared Until proven it. wrong. Or until, until, exactly. Yeah. Until you lose 31 to nothing to Ohio State. Like Ohio State blew all their credibility by losing mm-hmm. 31 to nothing to, to Does Alabama lose, start losing some credibility, though? I mean, you got SEC going 6-6 six and six in the bowl games. No. Two top teams. No. Nope. Really? They'll still they'll – still Objectively, though, objectively, if you take ESPN and all that out of it, their two best teams got blown out in their final games. Do you think objectively still they're – I, I, I just think they've drank the Kool-Aid. I do. I watched last night's game, and there's more parity than people realize. You know, because I think in most people, including myself, say, there's Clemson, there's Alabama, there's, there's, and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. Because honestly, Clemson wasn't that impressive all year long. They really weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were not. They, Imagine they, they deserved to be to, in what, the, Syracuse? Imagine if they lost exa- that game. Exactly. And uh, so... I, I think the four teams that got how do you think it, How do you think Dwayne Haskins does against Alabama, Alabama ooh, team last night? Man. You'd like to have the, that shot. I don't know how our defense uh, would have done I, against two. I, I agree. Exactly. But the question would be, would the Michigan-Ohio State defense show up? Mm-hmm. Right? Would that defense show up? I think Ohio State wins Alabama. I mean, because, oh my gosh. Haskins would have carved up that Alabama defense. Mm-hmm. They would have put 44 up. I'm pretty confident. I don't. I just don't know if... 
our our defense wouldn't be in the backfield of Alabama like Clemson's uh-huh. was. That's I mean that they just I I mean it was so amazingly this era because Alabama ran for a lot of yards, hmm. but anytime they tried to pass, you know. Mm-hmm. Wilkins and those guys were in the backfield. It was, uh, mm. whew, and those guys came back for that game. Yeah, like Wilkins could have gone pro. They mm. came back for that game. They turned away millions of dollars for that game, mm. which which I admire. So that was that was amazing. And no, I don't think I. I just I I just uh, I think the only way to fair way to do college football, and I say this knowing Ohio State's a beneficiary of it, is do away with the uniforms. Do away with the names. Let the games. Let the teams play, and then we judge. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I just I think the uniforms. I think the names affect this. It's mm-hmm. just so far from being objective. Because you know I'd questioned Alabama all year. I just uh, who have they played? I I what defenses have they played? And so mm-hmm. anyhow. Yeah. So what else is going on in your mind this morning? Well, uh, the. So the uh, wild card games happened this weekend. I thought an interesting thing to bring up was, uh, you know, everything who who played Texans, Colts, the Cowboys, Seahawks, the uh, who played early Sunday. Who was it? I'm blanking. Um, Ravens and the yeah, the, uh, and the Chargers. And the Chargers. That, yeah. was a, that was a fun game. Oh, uh, your tweet on that was fantastic. The Ravens knocked out the Steelers and then get beat. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, knowing that happened and watching it happen was was fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as a Brown, we're speaking yeah. as Browns fans here. Yeah, the uh, most most of the teams I read, I didn't watch the Texans Colts game. I was it was here at church, but I watched all the other three games and. Um, but so the last game. Watch out for the Colts, man. Well, they're hot. Watch uh-huh. out! I watch and that you, game. And you're watch playing. Out. You're playing a team that hasn't played in a while. Yeah, yeah. I know. There's an yeah. advantage to that. If they're healthy. There's an advantage to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they have the Chiefs this weekend. Um, but uh, the last game of the night was the Bears and the Eagles, and I was I was pulling for the Eagles because uh, Nick Foles. And I just you know it's just hilarious how he comes in and every I know, year it's just, amazing and doesn't do great really. Yeah, but gets the job done. I mean, yeah. you know, he throws some terrible interceptions each game, but. Um, gets gets the job done, and um, but as we've talked about in past, Chuck, uh, last year the the um, you know the, the the faith woven through that whole team, and and through Carson Wentz, and I think Peterson and Foles and Ertz and those guys mm-hmm. um, that lead that team, it's 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 they make them very uh, rootable. And uh, Nick Foles recently had said that he wants to. Uh, uh, once this football thing, I don't know if you saw that, once this football thing wears off, he's going to, he's already started taking classes at seminary and he wants to become a pastor after. Um, wow. So he's already started classes and Can we hire writing, him? writing papers. Yeah. <laughs> he's writing papers now and everything, which is, it's awesome. But uh, really like him. So I'm, I'm rooting for the Eagles against the bears. I have nothing against the bears, um, but uh, I like Trubisky, but the, so the, the bears are playing the Eagles and the Eagles score at the end. Go up two, sixteen to fourteen. Trubisky leads the field, the team down the field, and uh, for a last-second field goal against with a guy, Cody Parkey, who's has a history this year, to say the least, of missing field goals. And I don't know how how long was the field goal? Thirty some yarder, forty yarder? It was forty-three, wasn't 40, it? So it tough. Forty-three. So then, for a, for a pro, it's it's what 
nine and a half times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's come back to where it's, the NFL released a statement that it's officially a blocked kick. I don't know if you saw that. It's, yeah. it's not a missed kick anymore, but he double doinked it. He hit, this, he hit the vertical upright, and then he hit the horizontal post um, and double doinked it and missed it. And um, it's now come back after further review that someone um, you on could Eagles, see his, his fingers hand clutched yeah, it. Yeah. touched it a little bit. So and it still might have missed. I mean, because it was, I mean, it was, you know, I don't know. It was, he, he said he was kicking for the wind. The wind was blowing left to mm-hmm. right. He was kicking. Okay. Well, um, so you know, in the age of social media and everything, and and just the, the age of social media combined with uh, people's terrible, uh, irrational obsession with sports. Um, poor souls. Uh, when a when a athlete messes up, it gets really ugly really fast. Yeah. You know, and so so this and so you know the first few hours after Parky missed, you know, no one had seen the replay yet. It was a block kick. It was just a miss. And the Bears hadn't won in a while. For those of you who don't know, they were twelve and four this year. This was the year they had been one of the best defenses in the league. This was the year they could have come out of the NFC and won yeah. um, and done something. Probably not because they probably wouldn't have been the chart or the saints or the rams but uh anyway uh bears fans to say the least thought this was their year and it was uh, they were held back by a kicker who'd missed a lot of field goals all year missed another one so um so yeah the he missed the field goal he gets he gets you know death threats all over the internet all over twitter and whatnot um i don't know if you saw the video of him leaving the stadium uh yeah, yeah getting booed but bef- but before all that and after that um, after he misses the field goal, a double doink. He looks up, points above to the sky, and then he gets hugged by a few teammates. He goes over, does his post-game uh, routine, which is pray the mid- midfield. And then in the in the locker room after the game, he uh, he absolutely owned up to it. Was honest. Feels terrible. You know, feels like the smallest person in the world. But uh, was open to talking about it with the press, and so and he was very open. About very it. open. So, so it made me think. For this, um, I think we've talked. We've, we've before talked a lot about you know, making mistakes. Um, you know, uh, messing up, doing the wrong thing, and and being you know, and and uh, whether whatever comes from that, whatever are comes from that repentance or reconciliation or then later redemption. But, um, but what about when, in your experience, what about when you just weren't good enough? Cause Parkey, I mean, that's basically what it was. A guy played better than him. He blocked his kick or Parkey mm-hmm. didn't kick it high enough. He mm-hmm. kicked it too low. I mean, you know, it was a block kick. Yeah. It wasn't a miss, but still he didn't kick it high enough. And another guy was better than him. A guy mm-hmm. blocked it. Right. So he just wasn't good enough, and he lost. It wasn't necessarily a mistake. You just weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Well, it's funny, you know, because when it came for me, when it came to competition, I never, you know, I think some of, I think most of us are this dichotomy. So it wasn't like it's weird. We're we're two people often living in one body. So when it came to competition, because that's what you're asking about, right? Sometimes you're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that never was confident enough. And yet there was a part of me that when it came to competition, I never get beat. I just run out of time. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe anyone's better than I am. And so I just ran out of time. And it, it, it took me a long time to accept 
that there are people more skilled, more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster than I am. Because I, I think what helped me in sports, I had a book that was kind of my basketball Bible growing up called Soft Touch. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. I still have a copy of it. It's worn. The, my copy of it is down in the basement. It's worn out. Cover doesn't stay on. But great men don't act like they're great, and small men don't act like they're small. I never played small. I always mm-hmm. played much bigger than I was. And I truly, in my mind, I would not have been intimidated by Michael Jordan. You know, I, I just wouldn't have been intimidated by him. I would have gone right at him, and he would have embarrassed me. But in my mind, he's not better than I am. It's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. So this is ludicrous. But mm-hmm. in my mind, literally, I was this dichotomy of, on the one hand, uh, sometimes I wasn't confident enough, but on the other hand, I had such a chip. So mm-hmm. I never, I, I, until later on, did I ever get to that point where I'm not good enough. I, I didn't get to, you know. Then you get to the point. I know in, in professional leadership, you realize, you know, I'm only, like, I see myself as I'm a triple-A player. You know, they're Hall of Famers, they're all-time greats, they're major leaguers, and then they're triple-A players. And when it comes to leadership and church and stuff like that, I'm a triple-A professional. I'm a professional. I'm, I'm a pro at what I do. But I'm not ever going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not ever. I'm not going to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom for how well I preached. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. let's just state the obvious. And uh, I don't know. There's just something liberating about that. Um, that's what I find. I'm, that's interesting. You're saying that about Cody Parkey because because he's probably he's probably out of a job. I don't I don't know if he'll get another job. But he got nine million dollars guaranteed this year. <laughs> okay, so he's okay. Yeah. He's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's probably out of a job. And I think it would be really tough that well, he's a pro. There, there aren't a hundred people in the world who can do a better job at kicking a football than he does. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah, he's probably out of a job. That's a whole different level of acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. Of accepting. Brutal reality. I can't do it to the level I need to do it, and that's tough. You know, I, I, I've been we we've, we've been watching Urban Meyer quite a bit. You know, going through this process of retirement, mm-hmm. and it's obviously for me. I'm a little older than he is, but it makes you reflect on when will I reach the point where I can't do it anymore? It's not that he doesn't want to coach. He can't do it at the level he wants to do it anymore. Um, you know, because of the cyst. Mm-hmm. So there's all that. That's that's a long answer to your question, Oz. But there's all that going through my mind. What about you? You know, you, you. I think you're right. In that moment, he wasn't good enough. In that moment, he wasn't good enough. What What are your thoughts about that? Well, I. Uh, I mean, we've talked about underachieving before, and. We've talked about some of that. I mean, I, partly I bring it up because it, you know it's something I haven't really given much um, thought to, and uh, or as much as maybe I should. And uh, you know, I mean, yesterday more. So I've been injured for a while, and um, I've had a herniated disc, it created some scoliosis and um, the sciatic nerve problem that makes my right leg go numb, and uh, toes tingle a little bit. Can't sit down for too long. But so I was off for about three months, and and in the last couple of weeks I've started running again, and and, I've, and it's been great. But I've been terribly slow. I feel terribly slow. And uh, yeah, I'm, that's a relative slowness. Trust me, <laughs> listeners. Um, 
but you know, like you know, yesterday I I um I felt like I was flying. You know, like I was. So I set out to do five miles, and um, so I haven't. I, I think I'm around, I'm around. I'm around like 25 a week now. So I'm not up to where I was when I when I quit, which was around 40. And um, it, so I, I set out to do five miles. It's about 6:30, 7 in the morning, and um, I felt like I was flying. You know, like it's you know just you know. Yeah, just you know, if I ran a little faster, I might leave the ground. Um, it's you know, it's like forty degrees, so you know, it's 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 nice temperature. Um, but like really quickly after once I before I hit my second wind, you know, and got through the first wall, um, after the first mile, it just my legs, my lungs, just everything was just uh, was just was just felt like I was you know running way way you know out kicking my coverage you know just mm-hmm. way faster than I should for having four more miles to go and um, beyond my pace and and but anyway I finished the run and you know I even dug through the last few hills and um, so I'd finished five miles and, and looking at my watch you know I was, I was it was tough it was really hard really hard really hard I looked at my watch and um, it was it was about 37 seconds slower each mile my pace than i thought it was oh wow and it was just really devastating because it was just wow. uh, it was you know it was just humbling you know man like 30 i, I would have run a, a half marathon i've run half marathons that are 37 seconds faster a mile than that five miles was mm-hmm. and that's I and mean, that was just you know it was just really um really hard so I mean, it's been my first real injury since like you know starting running and everything and and learning how to come back from that and and all that but so i just wasn't i don't know i just wasn't good enough so maybe that's what played my mind to, to yeah. there's nothing i could do about that like i couldn't i couldn't try any harder the weather couldn't have been more perfect it was you know 40 degrees it wasn't humidity it wasn't it was just uh i just wasn't i was i was just slow that day and um so i guess i just gotta run tomorrow you know yeah yeah, and uh, you know, and it's it's good. It does. It goes back to that old cliche. You, you know, in life, you just at the end of the day, Pete's sitting here. You know, he he was a pilot. Still, I still, I guess you still are technically, right? You know, um, just to be as good in that cockpit as you can be <laughs> that day. Mm-hmm. Know that you've trained as much as you can. And then let the results fall where they may. As I mentioned this morning at Provoke, I'm reading Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Leadership in Turbulent Times. And it's just a, it goes from Lincoln to Teddy Roosevelt to FDR to Johnson, back to Lincoln, back to Teddy, you know, just Mm. overlaps them at their ages and, and seasons of life. And just how utterly shocked that FDR's mom was that he became the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> like she never, she knew he was special in his ability to get along with people. But just, are you kidding me? I wouldn't have been Francis at all, would I? <laughs> oh man, she yeah. My mom yeah. would have been shocked. <laughs> that was well. Of course, to get there, you have to have the big head. Mom wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> she wouldn't have liked that. There's there's a degree of you have to you have to put yourself out there. I think that's always what made her uncomfortable with watching me preach. She was never comfortable watching me preach. I think because she knew that the very assumption presumption of preaching is, I know something you don't know that I need to tell you. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, so, you know, it, it just made her uncomfortable. You know? <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that's the thing is, is if, if um, I'm not going to become an NFL kicker, right? 
Mm-hmm. Too late for that. But the cool thing, I think this is the cool thing about letting your life be within the sovereign leadership of God, that I will say this, if God taps you on the shoulder and he has an appointment for you, I wouldn't be surprised. There's nothing that would surprise me, really. Mm-hmm. Short of being an NFL kicker, there's nothing that would surprise me that, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling through writing, and part of my boundary with writing is I'm not, I don't, I don't see myself as very good at it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fear that I'm going to have a book that immediately goes to the buck ninety nine discounted shelf at Kroger. So there's pride and ego involved in that. But mm-hmm. part of what's challenging about it is. I, it's, it's like a guy saying, I'm not going to kick if I can't kick in the NFL. But what I want to be when I grow up is a writer. You mm-hmm. know, that's what I want to be. Like, I want to write books that people want to read and get blessed by and everything. That's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. And it, what keeps me from doing that is can I handle the failure of being on the field after it flops, after I miss the field goal? Mm hmm. Yeah. Now I say that because, but but ministry leadership is constant failure. I mean, you constantly fail to reach your objective. So it's not like I'm not used to failure, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm, I'm not used to feeling that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough, or I wasn't. You know, I listened to Andy Stanley speak, and I go, "Gee, Liz, I'm not in that league." Mm-hmm. You know, I've got friends that I that, that are speakers, teachers, preachers, and there's well. Oh, that's a 64-yard field goal there, mm-hmm. right between the uprights, man. And hey, what, I don't have that leg. One of my favorite po- poets is Billy Collins, and some of you may have heard of Billy Collins out there. Um, I've heard joke. of Barnabas Collins. <laughs> uh, Barnabas Collins. Any Billy Collins fans out there um, <laughs> flying around the room? Uh, he writes 100 poems a day. He's done that for about 20 years. Wow. Because he just figures every 100 poems, you get one good one. Yeah. And so every, about every year, he has written... One poem a day that's good, yeah. and uh, he makes a book. You know, and he, yeah. so he just so he so poetry to him is failing ninety nine times, and um, that's great. I love that. Uh, but you did Djokovic even you know, for those of you that watched the semifinal in Doha last week between <laughs> Novak Djokovic and Roberta Batista Agu, Novak Djokovic is the number one player in the world right now by far ahead of I think you know, uh, Roger and Rafa by far the best player in the world. Um, he lost in a thrilling three-setter to Roberto uh, Batista Agu. And a big upset, huge upset by a Spaniard. Yeah, journeyman player versus an all-time great. Yeah, And after the match, Djokovic was as uh, happy as a clam. He said, uh, just wasn't the better player today. And uh, the best player won. And now Djokovic is, you know, especially where he's at now in his career, psychologically just uh, probably leaps and bounds beyond most athletes, I would say. Um, His just psychological and emotional and spiritual health uh, so much so that he has outbursts so he can get out of his negative energy smash a racket and then bam he's yeah you know, he's just yeah. clear conscience um that takes a certain level of acceptance and probably the same amount as a billy collins uh that maybe that, that is the bit breakthrough to to then take a chance at that book or to take a chance at that job or to take a chance at that relationship or whatever people are going to do that they don't want to f- just not be good enough at, not maybe make mm-hmm. mistakes as we if all... it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Yeah, we all know we're not, yeah. we're not, we're not divine, right? I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to make mistakes, but what, that's not what maybe gives us the scare. It's, it's just not being good enough. And um, Billy Collins and Novak Djokovic and, um, 
and uh, Cody Parkey ex- exemplified that Sunday night that uh, they just know that the reason they've got to where they've gotten to the top percentile in their profession is um, they're okay with not being good enough. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think how he handled that is the takeaway for the Chucksters out there today. Did you see him afterward? Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, he says, hey, listen, I feel terrible. I take complete responsibility for this loss, which it's not totally on him. But, mm-hmm. but he said, I feel terrible, but football is not life. The sun will come up tomorrow. I'll still be feeling bad. I feel awful. I hit his class and just facing it. And here's a guy whose identity is clearly not in his ability to kick a football through, mm-hmm. you know, yellow uprights. And I, you know, I, I, I just love that. I, I think that's where it goes back to my thing. Maturity is worth the journey. Mm-hmm. It really is because now in my more maturing years, the level of acceptance that you have that you don't have when you're still trying to prove your worth, when you're still trying to prove your way in the world, you know, that's part of why Djokovic can handle that with aplomb is because, hey, what what is there left? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. all he's got to chase is Roger Federer's all time, but he's in the top five all time. You know, he has nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. And when you live, especially as a child of God, with nothing to prove, um. You can accept failure, and it actually brings the likelihood that you'll succeed. That's the irony, right? Mm-hmm. Is because it it relaxes you. It, you're you're more creative. You're more in the moment, and so you're more likely to to actually achieve what you need to achieve. I, I you know, he's a. I, I I got irony. You know, he's a. I'm pretty sure he's a former Browns kicker. And the irony that had he been with the Browns, he'd have never been put in that position anyway. so um the guys who cover cleveland sports were talking yesterday about what a classy guy is but they were saying in terms of you know (laughs) you're still with the browns (laughs) Uh, you know he wouldn't have been on that stage guy that on the pga tour there are tons of guys they said he they never win do you ever heard this there are tons of guys that the guys who win know uh that they never win. It has nothing to do with talent. Is they do not want to be on that TV on the last day and 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 fail. Hmm. They do. They just do not have any desire. They make their money. They receive their check. They're living their millions. And and there's a reason why guys are consistently in the top twenty, but they don't ever win. It's not because they can't win. It's because they don't want to put themselves in that position. Hmm. I, and I, I would say that's a terrible way to live. That's why I'm still trying to write a book that will probably be on the Kroger 199 <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know. But people at Southbrook will buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that going for me, which is nice. Yeah. Um, great uh-huh. question. Great question. Because isn't life so much about dealing with we all have a ceiling? Mm-hmm. You know, no, the greatest kicker in the world has a point at which, nope, can't kick a 67-yarder. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, and you're going to have your critics. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, Cody Parkey. I just I'm so embarrassed for our culture when death threats are given to him by Sunday night. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's just I, I feel a, a an embarrassment because those people don't realize what they're saying about themselves and their own identity. Mm-hmm. You know, sad the people are booting. On his way out of the state, that's ah, just uh, I. It's funny because I remember I talked Sunday about 
you know, why do I use movie illustrations and book illustrations and and sports uh, quite a bit? And it's identification. But I do wonder sometimes if there's going to come a day where I give up on sports. Because some, sometimes it just feels so dirty to be a part of mm-hmm. really anything in life, you know. But man, when you see him getting booed for his failure and getting death threats, did you see some of the... Te- Twitter messages that went out, yeah, like hoping yeah. his family hangs from a tree and he goes to hell. And mm-hmm. I mean, just are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, any anything else to round this? Uh, take this around third and head for home. Anything else? What's your final thought? What's your final takeaway for that Chuckster guy that's out there listening right now, or that gal, and she's facing a sense of a feeling of inadequacy? And she's feeling like an imposter because she didn't measure up in a certain mm-hmm. uh, project. What would you? You're sitting across from them today. What would you say to them? Uh, I, I would say what I have said to myself in different times, in different scenarios, and what I would, um, what I've maybe not always met, but uh, sometimes have met, and sometimes have heeded the advice. Which is, I think that, or just the the, the thrill is, you know, is in um, is in. Uh, the, that risk and that that taking that chance, you know, I think it's why I like tennis a lot because um, professional professional tennis because like the the insanity and the like the psycho alpha wolf to go out in front of thousands of people yeah. by yourself and then yeah. duel it out and with you another man. You get embarrassed. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's whew. the closest thing to boxing is know. tennis. It's, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just it's just fascinating to watch that. You know, just the. Um, and, and, but I, but, you know, we, but we all do that in, in our own lives, in our own ways, in our own, you know, mere ways, but magnificently mere ways. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's where the thrill is to, to go is. do things that you might fail at. Um, you know, I, I, um, in, in, in performing and, and, and whatnot, and just to go take risks and, and, um, uh, well, you did a well regret. with, you know, we now call him Jimmy Fallen. Because you <laughs> yeah. were the fallen character, and I expected, mm-hmm. and you know that was a risk to bring that character out into that that drama, and then engage in that dialogue, even though you didn't say mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, you know, you there is no there is no life, and there is no love without vulnerability. It's not mm-hmm. it can't happen. You can't have it. You won't have life, and you won't have love if you don't put yourself out there as the fallen character on the stage. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and you did it well. Thank you. You did it better. I tell you, man. For those of you who didn't get to see it, when Austin pulled out, when Jimmy Fallon pulled out the Twix candy bar at the one, <laughs> okay, this is, he and Joe are going to a level of brilliance here. Twix. It wasn't a Snickers. It wasn't a Three Musketeers. Uh-huh. It was in a dialogue with a guy, an angel, trying to make a decision, and he uh-huh. pulls out a Twix. <laughs> Till next time, Chucksters, this is Austin Charles and Charles Braxton.